Yes, welcome, 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 and we're back. Show that comes to you once a week covering the Hollywood week that was, giving you, getting you ready, I guess not giving you anything, but getting you ready for the Hollywood week to come. <laughs> we give you nothing, we only take. <laughs> this is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly, hashtag MMO Weekly, hashtag MMOW. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. Yes, also Mike here. We're on the airwaves all across the internet this week. Yeah, we, uh, as opposed to every other week. Well, we're on our own airwaves, but now we jumped on another podcast. <laughs> oh, I right? see. Yes, yes, yes. All see right. how I segue? <laughs> we went on Junk About Movies. This is John Mark Junkin's podcast, and we did a two-part episode because we had way too much fun speaking with him, and he did a King of the Monsters tournament in honor of the new Godzilla. It was a ton of fun. So, yeah, I mean, we talked about the whole monster horror movie genre. We talked about all our favorite monsters. He's got this great bracket out there on film Twitter. And uh, definitely follow him. Yeah. You know, subscribe, like, rate, review, junk about movies. We're on his feed at SoundCloud, iTunes. And uh, you got a full hour episode posted not too long ago. So you can hear us all the time. Yeah, and there should be another one coming, I would think, right? Yeah, you know, we did part a couple two. hours there, and I, I think I accidentally called him Jim a time or two, so that's my fault because I'm dumb. But that <laughs> JMJ, was, yeah. Yeah, I, I told him I was really jealous of that tournament. It was a great idea, and it was a lot of fun talking about it, and we thank him uh, for having us on despite my idiocy. Uh, and that was that was a ton of fun. So, yeah, definitely go search out Junk About Movies on your uh, wherever you find podcasts, wherever you're listening to us, and you can hear us ramble on about hypothetical monsters. I got a little too into the Mortal Kombat aspect of it, that was funny. I'm not apologizing. <laughs> and I'm a ham. Just yes. a big ham yeah. the whole episode. Just desperate for anybody else's opinion. <laughs> We're coming to you on a Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night, whenever you're listening to this, maybe Wednesday morning. We, life got in the way again, but we gave you a lot of episodes last week, so we figured we'd take a day off. We started our Tarantino rewatch series. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. We seem to be getting really good numbers on that, so we appreciate everyone yeah, that's in play. You. But a lot to talk about and a lot to set the table for for the rest of this week and, and upcoming things uh, thereafter. So, Mike, let's start with what we're watching. It's what we're watching. Thank you. I watched Game of Thrones, The Last Watch. Yeah? Love this. I watched it twice. Follows a makeup person, costuming person, set decorator, the producer of all the entire series, this woman who's like Wonder Woman practically, Mm -hmm. Uh, the director, David Nutter, who directed half this season, and an extra with a really cool beard who plays... Someone from the Starks who loves dogs as much as you do with the dog barking in the background there. Uh, But, I, you know, they have the the money shot is the table read of the final scripts and that's been going viral. I also love the fact that Kit Harington is such a sweet guy in this. And we're going to talk more about Kit later on. He hated that episode. It was all over his face. Right. Reading that thing. I didn't watch the whole thing. I just saw clips. But he hated that script. Mike, he's just a sweet guy to everybody on set. Uh, and he's a sweet guy in that table read, and it, it's sad to see that he's going through some troubles now. We'll talk about him later And Do You Care, which we do. But bottom line is, you will appreciate what a massive undertaking, what a massive uh, production set th- this entire operation is. Yeah. It gave me flashbacks, nightmare flashbacks to my production assistant days <laughs> on a set or two or seven, and uh, it was really fun to watch. So are you ready to let the series go now? Are you done with it? Absolutely not. I'm, I can't Christ. wait for the prequels. I'm going to keep rereading and all that. I watched Historical Roasts. I, I almost hit play on this. Is, what is this? Jeff Ross is basically cosplaying 
all these major figures from history, and he's got comedians that cosplay as those figures that he's roasting. I watched Thank Abraham God for Lincoln. Netflix. Yeah, Abraham Lincoln, Freddie Mercury, and Anne Frank. <laughs> They roasted Anne Frank, the <laughs> lunatics. But they did it very complimentary somehow. But Bob Saget played Abraham Lincoln. John Stamos played John Wilkes Booth. Did he shoot him? Seth Green played Davis, <laughs> David Bowie. But yeah, they had all kinds of gags. Was David Bowie at Abraham Lincoln's roast? Because that would be amazing. <laughs> that would have been amazing. No, missed opportunity yeah. there. But uh, it's hit and miss, bottom line. It's, it's funny with some guests, Bob Saget. So it's like the Comedy Central roast, but done on... A different level and on netflix is a more repeated thing it's, it's as opposed a, to once a year it's a half hour yeah each episode so you basically got five comedy bits <laughs> between the the actual roasty and jeff ross and they do like a little guest spot of somebody else like frederick Douglass was in the audience for uh <laughs> okay for abraham lincoln and they, they they do a little you know guest spot i guess in that regard but it's, it's, it's all right yeah. it's all right i watched three episodes i also watched deadwood the movie for some reason did you watch the show i watched one season of the show nah. that might be generous i might have watched a few episodes i can't remember but i just wanted to watch something new and none of the netflix stuff was jumping out at me just yet so i i, I dove into that what weird dialogue <laughs> It's like this old-timey English with F-bombs and crazy modern stuff thrown in. It's really interesting how they make this work. I also like, you know, you got some good romance and friendship and feeling and a little action thrown in. You got some gunfighting. And I don't think the antagonism was strong enough, you know, for me. What is the show? What is it about? It's in the town of Deadwood where you got a gunslinging U.S. Marshal Sheriff. You got this. So it's just like an old Western? Ian McShane. Yeah, it's like this old Western setup, but now they got railroads, they got telephone poles coming in, they got all the kind of modern modern stuff happening uh, 10 For years some later. I thought it was about a carnival. So this isn't about a carnival. Wasn't That's there an Carnival. Uh, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, <laughs> I remember watching that season. It's, season one as well but yeah. i didn't i didn't stick with that but this has got to be a win for hbo and and deadwood fans because it's a lot of fan service going on that's good i guess yeah i mean i i never got into the show i never even gave right. it a watch but i know it did have its fan base and i know a lot of people were excited about this high marks though on the critic scores huh 98 percent on the tomato that's meter insanity. so I, that's what i was like i gotta see it i yeah. guess so i i dove in and i enjoyed myself it wasn't bad I also watched Deep Red. This is from Dario Argento, Mike. Sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> After the trailer for In Fabric. Yeah. Something we're going to... Very Argento-y. I had to do this. I was just like hoping there would be a Dario Argento <laughs> film. And I, I jumped in and what a WTFS yeah, this was. It's all right. I really enjoyed this watch. Cinematography and music are just incredible. I actually really enjoyed the music in this one. Okay. Oh, this modern, really weird 70s beat. It was like a Tarantino beat going on whenever we had a murder scene. It's just thoroughly unique and it's just a different kind of slasher movie than anything you're going to watch. I also kind of dug the uh, mystery here. I enjoy seeing Italian people in Italy, by the way, too. That's just like my rest relatives, my ancestors, my my kin. Your your people. My yeah. people. And yeah, the the white, doofy Englishman thrown into that mix, like he's supposed to belong there, bothers me. So this is like La La Land gone bad. 
by the description, a jazz pianist and a wisecracking journalist are pulled into a complex web of mystery oh. after the former witnesses a brutal murder of a psychic. Of all the people to make a... City of stars. Amateur detective. <laughs> of all the people to make an amateur detective. Yeah. Ryan Gosling from La La Land, when you throw... But, like, basically, Arthur, like a non-drunk version of Arthur, whoever this guy is. Yeah. Why? Why? Like, Mike, don't answer this, but what would you call a piano player who tries to be an amateur detective and is one step behind the serial killer to the point where he's at every crime scene when the police show up, most of the time holding the dead body and the murder weapon? A suspect. Right? Right? I don't care how white, polite, and British you may be. Lock that man up. He's probably did it. And he deserves to be locked up just based on the fact that he's implicating himself in every scene. So is it less off the wall than something like Suspiria, the original Suspiria? A little bit. A little bit. more linear? There's definitely, like, saw goods. There's, like, all kinds of wild scenes in this. Love. Love some of the staging production design as well. It, it really was fun. I think when I didn't have the expectations of this has got to be a forerunner for an Oscar contender like we did with Suspiria, right. which I, I can appreciate more upon rewatch mm-hmm. as well, uh, th- this movie was just great schlock movie making. I loved it. So see by Skip will keep the documentary one out of it, but Historical Roast, Deadwood the Movie, and Deep Red. Oh, I would buy Deep Red. Really? I oh. would, uh, yeah. Cause I, it's not a great movie, but it's fun. Cool. And I would probably see Deadwood the Movie again. Then again, I might watch the rest of Historical Roasts. I'll, pro- I'll probably do that. So I'm a sucker. for Just give, make me laugh five times in a half hour, <laughs> and I'll click. What about the best thing you saw this week? Best thing I saw was the uh, YouTube videos of Ruiz knocking out Joshua. Oh, my God. That was so good. So oh, good. Win for fat guys everywhere. Yeah. Take that in shape, people fat that guys, dedicate your lives guys, to your athletic guys. endeavors. <laughs> Let's go, Ruiz. <laughs> Uh, I hope he just never loses again. I want him to get so obnoxious to the point where he comes out like coming to the ring eating a hamburger. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want. He is a hero. He's a hero. Uh, It was amazing. Mike, what did you watch? Nothing good. (laughs) It was Sunday night. I'm used to my guys' grocery games. It wasn't on. There was a Worst Cooks in America marathon on leading up to the finale. I watched it all. You can watch like whatever you want on demand on Netflix. No. Not on Sundays, damn it. And you got a great <laughs> television. You got Xfinity, whatever. You yeah. got the X1. Yeah. I watched Worst Cooks in America with it. With all the commercials. Uh, yeah, and Tanya Harding won. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so don't go bother binging the season. Uh, you had to spoil she Worst actually, Cooks in America. Well, I did it for a reason because she had, like, they ended on, like, a pretty. I wasn't expecting the joke to make. Yeah. They were like, she. They were talking about how great this meal was and how far she came and she made it and blah blah. blah. And she's like, "You won, Tanya." And she's like, eh, "I did it this time." I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and like they played like there was a, a record scratch effect and everything on that. I'm like, wow, that's fu- really right. funny. Tanya. Yeah, uh, good for her for <laughs> poking fun at herself. But uh, well, uh, it was else? a big week for wrestling too. I know I, I talk about this often, but AEW. We haven't had a chance to talk about this. Last Sunday, last Saturday, last Saturday, they came out with their first pay-per-view i guess technically second pay-per-view show but it was their first big one they got a lot of people very excited it was very unique and the con family is funding it all now they're the same owners that own the jacksonville jaguars they're a billionaire company so they a lot of money behind it they have a tv deal with tnt now tnt is going to be showing pro wrestling for the first time since wcw went off the airways in 2001 so it is like a legit it's not a direct competitor to wwe yet but it's just wwe has had a monopoly on the genre for so long and they haven't really had to try and so Mm -hmm. it's bummed a lot of fans like me out 
They've been kind of PG and not really adults and, and just safe. kind of lame. Yeah, and they, they play it way too safe at times. So we're hoping, as wrestling fans, this kicks WWE in the ass mm-hmm. and gives them a little something to respond to. But if you looked at Raw and SmackDown last week as a response, a direct response, they were terrible. Really? Yeah, so I, it's causing a lot of concern as far as WWE fans go. NXT had their 25th anniversary show, which was from Bridgeport, actually. Oh, cool. Uh, or 25th show, not 25th anniversary, but it was from Bridgeport. It was this past... Saturday, I want to say, as well as June 1st. And that was awesome. And that's more akin to what AEW did, which is the Cody Rhodes promotion. So I know I'm babbling a lot on a movie podcast about pro wrestling. So compare the star power of the two up-and-coming you know, forces in wrestling. You got NXT, you got AEW. Who are you more excited to you know to follow? So NXT is like the WWE's minor leagues, quote-unquote. Yeah. There's a couple uh, big guys in there. But, you know... I... Right now, I, just because of the, the new of it, that you know, AEW seems like it's very exciting because there's not one guy, there's not one old man at the head of it. I know Triple H runs NXT, not Vince, but Vince has his hand on everything WWE, Vince McMahon, and it all has to go through him. And if you listen to John Moxley, Jonathan Good, the former Dean Ambrose who went from WWE and debuted with AEW, you hear just how depressing it is to be a creative person in WWE and just have Vince McMahon shoot down every idea you bring to the table. Huh. That's one side of the story, obviously. We don't know the full story, but this is all. He's gone done a couple of podcasts and talk about how he tried pitching this and that and the other thing, and Vince McMahon just kept wanting to do these really childish and pedantic things instead, and it's just really depressing. So CM Punk, when does he factor oh, in God. AEW? Listen, if he, comes, if he comes to AEW, I think the war might be on. Because that'd be some serious ratings. That'd bring a lot of wrestling fans that were uh, that have kind of left the game back. That's the first thought I had. Because yeah. CM Punk is out there. You got a new upstart company. Why wouldn't they secure his rights immediately? It's up to him. I mean, I, there's been rumors that he there was a rumor he was going to show up at the pay per view last week when they had their show. He didn't. Uh, John. The former Dean Ambrose was the big surprise, which is a huge surprise in the wrestling world. Obviously, he doesn't have the name recognition that CM Punk does with casual fans, but... Yeah, you're, that's a great point by you. If he shows up, it's uh, it's going to be a, a different ball game, I think. And I, I'm just excited for a new... To actually have somewhat competition in wrestling back. It's a big deal. And you also watch Porcelain Docs? So there's this guy on YouTube, Porcelain, P-O-R-S-A-L-I-N, and he makes these documentaries... And they're so good, I can't tell if they're legitimate documentaries or if they're tongue-in-cheek and he's just, like, taking the piss. Huh. With these, uh, he did one on, like, Jim Norton. He did one on Sam cool. Roberts. He did one on Joe Rogan. Yeah. He, he takes these things these people have said. He uses video clips. He uses audio clips. He uses... And he makes a through line about just... It paints them in this really negative light. But sometimes it's so over the top that it's like, this. you can't be serious about this. And actually, Jim Norton and Sam Roberts, I found on YouTube, watched their own and commented on it. They have a radio show on SiriusXM. And they commented on it, and they seemed to think it was all in jest, or, they, or at least mostly in jest, that it was a guy having fun at their expense, not huh. so much being serious. But either way, really compelling stuff. They're like 45 minutes each. I watched like three or four of them. They were really, really interesting to watch. I have no idea. That's the problem with new media right now and all the, how we have a president <laughs> talking about how everything's fake news and we can't tell what's real yeah. or not anymore. I have no idea if this is legitimate or not, but it is a compelling watch. So if you watch it, P-O-R-S-A-L-I-N, it's 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 interesting, if nothing else. All right, so C, C by Skip, Worst Cooks, A-W, NXT, slash whatever there, and Porcelain Docs. So... You could skip Worst Crooks in America. You have my <laughs> blessing with that. Uh, 
I, I would buy NXT and AEW. I would skip WWE for now. Oh. Just saying a lot. Oh. Uh, and I would watch. I, I would I would see the porcelain docs again for sure. But AEW and NXT are very in step with one another. I think that's going to be the direct competition to start because NXT is such a niche product. But I'm excited. It's like an exciting time to be a wrestling fan. But if you want something to, that's that's interesting and a, and a curious watch, go check out those porcelain documentaries on YouTube for sure. Nice. Um, don't watch Worst Crooks in America. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into some audience interaction stuff, Mike. We had a six degrees of MMO this week connecting Millie Bobby Brown to Maya Erskine. Invasion of the Remake at Invasion Remake said, We have Millie Bobby Brown in Stranger Things with Sean Astin, who was in 51st Dates with Adam Sandler, who was in The Longest Yard with Kevin Nash, wrestler. Yes, that's right. Kevin Nash, who worked with Elizabeth Banks on Magic Mike XXL, who appeared in Wet Hot American Summer 10 years later with Maya Erskine. That's where I've seen her before. <laughs> now everything fits. Everybody in the theater for Magic Mike was there to watch watch the sexy men and i was there to watch kevin nash uh <laughs> pop culture review at pop culture review there are some fun avenues with this one but i look at mine this way millie bobby brown is in stranger things with matthew modine who was in an episode of the west wing a show which featured tim matheson who was in harder dixie which maya erskine appeared in two episodes mike you ever watch harder dixie deep cut no i have not that was uh hayden penetier and uh oh, right. was it no that was nashville Huh. What was Harder? I don't remember Harder. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. All right. Maya Erskine getting yeah. everywhere, getting her reps in. We have Talk Zone Radio at Talk Zone Radio. Millie Bobby Brown was in Stranger Things with Paul Reiser, who was in Aliens with Sigourney Weaver. Yes, he was. Who was in Baby Mama with Amy Poehler, <laughs> who directed Maya Erskine in Wine Country. Mike! She was in that, too. I forgot. Like, in 200 years, when society has evolved and forgotten about some people, people are going to look at Sigourney Weaver's filmography and just going to be like, what was this woman doing? She's Everything. in so many random things. Everything. Pixar, <laughs> she shows up everywhere. Mark Burgundy at The One. Hanson, he's a frequent flyer. Uh, H-A-N-S-E-N. Time to get weird, he says. Millie Bobby Brown was in Intruders with James Frain, uh, who was in Reindeer Games with Ron Jeremy. No! <laughs> Ron Jeremy was in 54 with Mark Ruffalo, who was in Iron Man 3 with John Favreau, who was an identity thief which featured 500 miles by the Proclaimers, <laughs> who in 2009 were touring partners of the B-52s, who were in the Flintstones with John Goodman. All of that is great. <laughs> this was hard not to pick. And yet, like any good trailer... He leaves us hanging because he ended on John Goodman, which I don't know if I should reward for just completely ignoring the challenge we wanted and doing his own thing, but he, he didn't end it with Maya Erskine there. Uh, he didn't connect Millie Bobby Brown to Maya Erskine. So, so close. The one Hanson, who, who, who is with us pretty much every week and always plays along, we appreciate the effort, but finish the chain, man! We called a timeout, <laughs> and we looked everywhere on Twitter. We couldn't find the end of that trail, so maybe he forgot it. Maybe we're looking in the wrong spot. Or maybe I would like to, in my mind, he just did. He was like, no, nah, I want to do John Goodman instead. <laughs> <laughs> this Maya Erskine is very funny. John Goodman, though. That'd be funny if he just ends them all from here on out with John, John Goodman. Goodman. And the Proclaimers. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny because we said anything with the Proclaimers right, right. should he was win. testing us. And he also added the B-52s, which are a favorite of mine yeah. as well. But the winner this week, Mike, 
is another guy named Mike. We have at Bad Reception Pod. This is Mike from the Bad Reception Podcast. Says Millie Bobby Brown is in the music video for Girls Like You by Maroon 5. Love it. Maroon 5 sings Moves Like Jagger, referencing Mick Jagger. <laughs> That's correct. Who's in Free Jack with Emilio Estevez. Here we oh, go. Oh, God, I love it. Estevez. <laughs> it's going is, exactly where all of you want it to go. <laughs> is referenced in A Night at the Roxbury. <laughs> Emilio! With Molly Shannon. Yes. Who's in Wet Hot American Summer 10 years later with Maya Erskine. Wet Hot American Summer had a lot of people. A lot of people got signed up for that. But yes, thank you. Bad Reception Podcast, Mike. You are the winner this week of Six Degrees of MMO. You are the king of all things bragging rights. You get to sit on whatever the equivalent of our Iron Throne is. Like we said, it's probably just a giant hashtag right. made out of some sort of metal or maybe wood. If we're constructing it, it'd be something flimsy because I'm not a handyman. So it's like one of those, it's a hanger. It's just a hanger of a hashtag. That's the chair. It's very uncomfortable to sit in. <laughs> that would be very uncomfortable to sit in. Uh, we thank everyone for your, We have a lot of audience interaction stuff to get through, so we're trying to get as many as we can, but we don't want to take up so much of your time. But we thank everyone for submitting. If you have, if you did submit uh, and you didn't get your thing read, we did read it. Don't worry, but we'd love for you to submit again. And hopefully you can uh, sit on whatever our, our hanger throne is next week and be the king of all things Six Degrees of MMO. But Mike, what's their challenge for next week? So we're about to review... Uh, a trailer for The Kitchen. Yes. And we love Tiffany Haddish in this trailer. Mm -hmm. So Tiffany Haddish has got to be a starting point. Like it. And the end point's going to be something that really opens up the world of independent <laughs> cinema here, Mike. Because Steve Buscemi... I don't know if he worked with Tiffany Haddish before. This is no research, no prep. Steve Buscemi has shown up recently in Reservoir Dogs. Of sure. course, as Mr. Pink. Pink. And he is going to show up again as a waiter in Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. Yep. So we're going Tiffany Haddish to Steve Buscemi. That is your challenge for next I week. I love it. Also, bonus points if you can Photoshop the Steve Buscemi eyes onto Tiffany Haddish's face. No! As many people have done with the uh, with the memes in internet land. We would appreciate that, yes. But uh, does Tiffany Haddish to Steve Buscemi, we go on with MMO Asked from this week. A genius question from our own also, Mike. Who voices your emotions a la Inside Out? Obviously, we covered Inside Out as part of, part of our Pixar rewatch series. And Mike was asking... Who you would want as your inner monologue at the control of your wheels here inside your own personality? We had some great answers, great, Michael. Great answers. Cinema speak at the cinemas speak. I love that little play on words in the uh, Twitter <laughs> handle there. Uh, I'm just going to mention one, my favorite of each of their fives, but they all listed fives. Joaquin Phoenix as sadness. That fits so perfect. If it's what? Joaquin Phoenix from like I'm still here, that fake oh, documentary he did with that. Casey Affleck yeah. when he went on Letterman, it was like a joke you were never really here i'm still here anything with here the joker trailer joaquin phoenix is sadness even with the uh you know former baseball player in signs I yeah mean, that that just fits ryan l terry frequent flyer here at rl terry he had a couple fran drescher is joy is interesting yeah that's, interesting. <laughs> that's joy <laughs> that voice over and over again is gonna make you happy ryan you'll like wine country the movie by the way <laughs> We had uh, the cinema guys at the cinema guys said fear as Bill Paxson. Game over, man. <laughs> he also had Neil Patrick Harris's disgust. That would be interesting. That's interesting. It has to be Barney from How I Met Your Mother, though, right? With that kind yes. of holier than thou. Yes. And then I could see Bill Paxton 
being quite fearful of a lot of things that character did. So that matches up quite well, I thought. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> Swap thing, Wojciech Vyshor. He, he had a couple, uh, again, Aubrey Plaza, as discussed, seems very obvious. Mike, you liked Emma Stone being his joy. I liked Emma Stone as joy. I thought she'd play that perky and crazy. This is just a, he actually had like a pretty much an Oscars lineup because he wants Gary Oldman to be anger. He wants Steve Buscemi to be his again, fear. Buscemi. <laughs> and Tessa Thompson to be his sadness. Tessa Thompson is sadness? Have uh, we seen her play sad? Uh, she could, well, in uh, Annihilation. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, good point. Good very point. Sad in yeah. Annihilation. Uh, Tobias at Mr. Underscore Clapperboard, as it, spe- uh, Great as it sounds. <laughs> Love that. Joe Pesci, basically from Goodfellas, for the sheer amount of swearing that goes on upstairs. It's basically all the voices in his head I'm, I'm gathering. So I thought that was funny. Great job, Tobias. Just five Joe Pesci's at the home. <laughs> Finally, Mike at Colby told me so, sent my favorite thing on Twitter all week. And that's including everything I've done on, uh, and, and read and seen on Twitter. All right. Colby Mack said, Joy Donald Glover, Sadness Tracy Morgan, Anger Chris Rock, Fear Kevin Hart, and my favorite of these, Discuss Cat Williams. He made a picture of all of his favorites for this emotional cast and basically put himself next to them doing the same facial expression. (laughs) Go click on our thread and see what Colby Mack did. At Colby told me so. You can find it there as well. Follow him. Great dude. I feel like Donald Glover in and of himself would be excellent at playing all five emotions. That's true. Just at different points. It's just five. Like in the same way Tobias wanted five Joe Pesci's. Just five Donald Glovers, but like one's just overly happy. One's really melancholy and sad. I I think that could work. That's funny. Our final MMO ask for the week I put out there. What movie impressed you most? I don't know why I thought of this. It's just something, but you guys had a great time with it and you had a lot of answers and we appreciate the uh, the input. Neb is Ben. Ben Miller said the Phantom Thread. He says, I had no idea what to expect beside Daniel Day-Lewis and Paul Thomas Anderson and it went in directions I never expected. The last 45 minutes left me and my wife open mouthed while laughing hysterically. We still make mushroom jokes. Agreed. High five over the internet. Uh, I think that's how Ben came to us, actually. We loved Phantom Thread so much. Oh, yeah? And I think that's what I remember Ben coming to fan. Sure. Kate at Captain underscore Hangry says, Into the Spider-Verse changed the way I think about animation. I went in with zero expectations, no real interest in seeing it. Uh-huh. Now it's the standard for me, and I need to upgrade my home theater stuff to 4K ASAP so I can watch it repeatedly. Yeah, I can't imagine she's alone in that. It was a really a momentous occasion for animation. And Into the Spider-Verse is going to play a role in our next Pixar rewatch episode when we cover Coco, so stay tuned for that. Nice. Kirsten Coachman at Kierce, K-I-R-S, Coachman, C-O-A-C-H-M-A-N. The Matrix! I remember just being enthralled by it from the fight sequences to the VFX. A lot of people responded with The Matrix. And I remember leaving the theater, seeing The Matrix, and I feel like I couldn't have been alone in this, but the next week, all I did was try to bend over backwards. Could explain why I have a poor back today. There it is. <laughs> Finally. It's like the hot tub time machine. Right. The guy losing his the arm. The guy with the one yeah. arm. I've been wanting to figure out what blew your back out. That I mean, that time. did you not, there though? Wasn't that what you did when you saw this movie? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I have a good back though today, so I guess I didn't try too hard. Poor you. Alyssa C at A Music 20 says Iron Man. I had no idea what to expect, and our DJ was basically a washed up actor, and at that point, I was so pleasantly shocked how amazing 
it and he was. So that's great. It's sent back a call back to our MCU rewatch. Tiptoeing awfully close to a new form of episode I'm thinking of yeah. doing once we get into a different <laughs> medium. So you watch yourself there, Alyssa. Yeah, uh, <laughs> great, great answer. Full frontal nerdity at F Nerdity, N-E-R-D-I-T-Y. Batman begins and Blade Runner 2049 for starters. But I have 98 more answers, they say. <laughs> Top shelf. Christian Steele at 666. Poison Blood. Yes. Very dark. Hell yeah. Get the metal out, baby. He said an interesting answer here. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Not what you would think 666 Poison Blood would say. <laughs> no. They just pass around dossiers for two hours in that movie, which was somehow a really good movie. I... I support this decision because I like the movie much more than I, th- I would have thought too. It must have been your I thought it was you but it must have been your brother John who didn't like this movie instead it was no just boring. Nobody likes this movie oh, really? except for me and Christian Steele. Because <laughs> I took my other brother Daniel to it and he's like I hated this so much. I, I, I think believe. that's what scared me away from seeing it at all because I got the reviews from your family so aside boring. from you. But uh, <laughs> Christian said he went in blind thinking uh, just another spy movie like Mission Impossible or Bond. I like spy movies to have actual spy craft and I wasn't disappointed. There's actual spycraft here. They pass them around a lot of dossiers. Yeah, I maybe have to see it now that uh <laughs> that you and, I want to watch you given it the uh... I want to watch you watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> right, maybe we'll do a Twitch watch along someday. Uh, tweets by me at Praneel N Singh, P R A N E E L. There, when I first watched The Godfather Part Two, the way it interweaved and built on the characters in the first movie and how much it added to the legacy of those films, I was in complete awe. And he says, of course, Avengers Endgame with a great reasoning. Because damn. <laughs> damn! That's what he says. Joe Russ at J O S E P H R U S S says hereditary because I did not expect that to happen. <laughs> Yeah, us too, Joe. <laughs> You're in good company there. Uh, like you said, thank you so much for playing along with us this week that and answering these hit. questions. And and uh, again, guys, we ser- sincerely did read every single answer you gave us for any of these questions, any of the six degrees. So if we didn't get to you uh, this week, keep submitting, keep answering. You guys keep us wildly entertained, and you are so much more creative than we could ever hope to be. So we thank you for your input, and we hope to highlight even more next week and the week after, and for many weeks to come. That's what part of the reason we started this MMOW in the first place. After now, we'll move into a box office update, Michael, and we had some disappointing numbers. Yeah, Godzilla made $49 million domestically this weekend, 130 overseas for a $179 worldwide cum off of a $170 million budget, Mike. Yeah, Variety said this was a disappointment. A couple other trades said this was a disappointment. A $170 million budget means we're looking probably around two and a half times, $425 million to break even at the box office. There's only 21 movies that hit that at the worldwide box office office last year. Hmm. Uh, the good news is of those 21, only four of them relied on the domestic box office for 50% of their worldwide total. The other 17 relied on international box office to make up as much as 76% of their worldwide. So as we discussed with uh, Don Junk about movies, Godzilla is definitely more of an international and a global property than it is an American property. Yeah. So I would think this is going to end up okay and it'll end up making money and I think we should avoid any kind of worries about having that Kong versus Godzilla movie being canceled all that being said my guess here is that the trades understand the real budget for this thing that 170 is maybe maybe the production budget and the marketing budget is probably yeah, something else like on top of it yeah it always could be could, yeah you could be right you never I, know those things are you know dubious so budgets. do you think this this has any impact on kong versus uh godzilla do you think they go forward with that movie regardless i was surprised when they didn't do a kong sequel after skull yeah. island i was i was thinking that this is kind of on the edge of a knife 
Like, it's probably happening. I think it's still going to happen. I think they can, you know, rationalize that this monster verse is going to make money with a Kong versus Godzilla movie. Right, there's more to this. There's, there's blood from a stone you could squeeze out of there even if this one didn't make money. Exactly. I mean, Ninjago made big money and the Lego Movie 2 <laughs> did not. And it, it was strange that, yeah. that that series worked out the way it did. I don't know. Movie goes, we're weird. A fickle bunch. Fickle bunch. Fickle bunch. Mike Aladdin came in second with 42 million domestically. 185, 160 are the new totals domestic versus international for a 445.9 million dollar total. I don't know how the math works there, but I guess it does off a 183 million dollar budget. It opened last week with 91 million domestically, which was way higher than we thought and a lot higher than a lot of the trades thought too. Since 2015, films that open with at least a 91 million dollar domestic opening have done no worse than the 226 million that the fate of the furious brought in domestically so you would think that this is going to end up doing at least that much and probably much more so worst case we're probably close to like 550 million 600 million total box office for this yeah so it's going to make a a ton of money and i screwed up it's already up to 264 international not 160 yeah so i mean even even those projections were low so my god you know credit to disney we were all very wrong at about this on our channel and there were people that overcame those worries and wanted to see Aladdin in live action, and they're getting more than their money's worth, apparently. Rocket Man came in third, Mike, with a $25 million domestic opening, 31 overseas for a $56 million take on the weekend off of a $40 million budget. So, yeah, this was pretty much spot on with the projections. People, It's the higher end of the projections, $25 million, Like we cited, there was between 18 and $25 million domestically was the projected opening for Rocket Man. It hits 25. It's well short of Bohemian Rhapsody's $51 million domestic yeah. opening. I wouldn't think this is going to have the same momentum towards an Oscar in the box office that, that Bo, Bo Rap did. So uh, 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 It's confirming that it's not the same level of blockbuster, which kind think. of propelled Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. I, I totally agree. So, you know, does that mean that this one's not going to have its name read? Look, there's a lot of people that are awfully passionate about this movie, which and, I understand. And we're passionate about the production values, sure. and we love that central performance. So it may factor in at the end of the day. It's just not going to be helped by that popular film Imperative, right. which last year really augmented the chances for Bo Rap. It, it brought an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, absolutely brought an Oscar. Fourth place, Mike, went to Octavia Spencer's Ma. It made great money. Yeah. Off a $5 million budget, Mike, it made 18.2 domestically, 2.8 overseas, $21 million total already, you know, in the black. Yeah, what more could you ask for, right? A little $5 million horror movie. It's $20 million slightly disappointing overall in the large scope of box office. Maybe. I don't know that you could say it is for something like this, but quadrupling your production budget in your opening weekend is never a bad move when yeah. you're discussing the bottom line. That's great. 62-69% on Rotten Tomato between critics and audience scores, 6.1 on IMDb. So in other words, this looks like it's a horror movie. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a horror movie that hit. Yeah, that makes money. Sure. That made big money, so that's a great so so expect Ma too. I don't know. Maybe Ma. Di- Did you see Ma? You haven't seen Ma. Ma Ma. No, I don't. No, I haven't seen it yet. I want to see it. Just out of sheer curiosity. I don't care what it gets. Uh, yeah, same here. Wise. same here. I do want to see that. John Wick Chapter Three came in fifth. Eleven point one million totals now are one twenty five ninety five two twenty one million dollar worldwide total. No production budget listed that a I could find. Screen Rant had a number. They said it was fifty five million dollars. So if you work right. off that, this again quadrupled up its production budget, which means it's already have made money. Here's my question. How many John Wicks are we getting, Mike? Just more. I just... <laughs> 
<laughs> like, do you have a number? Because if these keep making money, there's no reason to... St they're like the Fast and the Furious movies. I thought this one was smarter with the action. I thought they did a really nice job with it. It's a movie that I kind of want to see again. Yeah? I'm not lying. I, I want to see it again. All right. I, I'm, I was down on the series after the first two. I wasn't as high as many people were. So, I'm in. I need to see all three. I, I'm tired of my friend texting me and yelling at me for having You'll not seen anything yet. You'll be disappointed they got overhyped at this point. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Mike, to finish up, Avengers Endgame made 7.8 this past weekend. The domestic total is now 815.5, or at least after Sunday, with a $1.897 billion international take for 2.713 off a of $356 million budget, right. and again, that, that was billions before millions. Made a shitload of money. We understand that. <laughs> so the only question is, the question that we've been asking for the past few weeks, does the film catch Avatar for the crown of highest grossing film ever? It needs about another $70 million. I don't think it's going to do that. Oh boy. But it because it's so close, it's gonna. right? Are there now going to be these group of fans that are like so passionately MCU fans that they're like, it's close. Let's 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 make an effort. Let's all go out to the theaters and see it one more time. Exactly. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, I think it'll take like another month and a half, and it'll have to be trickling in at the end, and it'll have to just seventy million at this point is a large ask for a past. film that's been out there for what five weeks already, four well, weeks. It's still going to make like a in terms of weekends, it's going to make like. Tw 15 million next weekend across the world and then during 15, the week it made, Mike it made 8 this week yeah but that's not the international the international is usually more than the domestic so if it made 8 here it probably made 12 there uh, you the could the be world. right I, 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 seven, that would be amazing because it seemed like as as recently as like 2 weeks ago in it's third week out in theaters it seemed like there was no it chance to catch Avatar Fast. right so if it does if it comes anywhere close it already has 70 million I mean that's that's a, a very small margin when you're talking about the billions of dollars that Avatar has made in the uh, the leader in the clubhouse there. So that's uh, that's amazing. And finally, Mike, uh, just as an addendum, Bong Joon-ho's Parasite made $25 million in Korea this weekend alone after the Cannes Film Festival pick for Dior. It's in the driver's seat for international feature right now, right? It, it has may, to be. Maybe more than that. we got to see it. I can't wait to see it. Love his stuff. $25 uh, million in, in a Korean market. That's that's outstanding and good for him. Good for Bong Joon-ho. I hope that thing comes stateside soon. Good for international box film. office. Yeah, that's good, good for, for film, film overall. Absolutely. Uh, great job at the box office. The little reporting that we do there. And let's move into Do You Care? I've got to know. Do you care? And why should we? This is the Do You Care segment of MMOE. This is where we take news stories of the week and we ask each other, do we, should we, or will we care about them? The standard first question for every Do You Care segment is I ask Mike if he cares about this week's upcoming new releases. This week we have three films going wide across this country and we have two others that are going in limited release. The big one is Dark Phoenix. That's going wide. Late Night also goes nationwide this week and Secret Life of Pets 2 as well. The Last Black Man in San Francisco opens limited and this one's for the ladies as well. Mike, which of those do we care about? I gotta get back to the movies. All the rewatching yeah. we've been doing has really kept us home to an extent yeah. HBO and Netflix I've been you know 
he's catching up a little bit on some of that, but we got I got to get back to the movies. My AMC passed. AMC's making money on me right now. I want to see Late Night. I want to see Emma Thompson, Mindy Kaling in that one. I want to see The Last Black Man in San Francisco. We we gushed over yeah. that trailer Looks back beautiful. when we were previewing that when our early Oscar stuff. Got great reviews too. If you look around Film Twitter. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Secret Life of Pets one, so I'm thinking I want to see two. The trailers look cute and funny and adorable. I want to see Godzilla, Aladdin, and Dark Phoenix because I like to watch train wrecks. How dare you? And How dare you? That does not apply to Dark Phoenix. I am Phoenix. like in the, uh, what's that uh, David Cronenberg movie? Crash. <laughs> the other crash. The grosser crash. And I just fix it. No. Uh, but, I mean, we... We've just been watching all this Tarantino and Pixar stuff, but always be my maybe the perfection on Netflix. We've seen a lot of friends on film Twitter yeah. gush about those. Uh, I've been falling behind. We got to start watching new movies again. And we'll it's about it's about that review. time where they're starting to. I mean, Last Black Man in San Francisco, we think is going to have legs come award season, if not go full fledged into the Oscars race. Late night is you know it's we've heard varying things about it, but at its inception was supposedly an Oscars vehicle. So we'll see. And we're getting to that point now where they're starting to come out and start to come out more so and you're absolutely right uh i'm also ready to start the campaign for dark phoenix to win an oscar this year so i'll be at the forefront of that and you could all be wrong moving on uh mike <laughs> do you care about david lynch west study gina davis and lena wertmuller they're receiving honorary oscars at this year's governor awards yeah I, I you know important to highlight and it's nice to see these four names all of them very worthy in their own right Wertmuller was nominated two times at the 77 show for best director and original screenplay for pasqualino stabilese mike what's your experience with that movie I love the name. Okay. So, Studi is most well-known for his role as Magua in the Daniel Day-Lewis Oscar winner, The Last of the Mohegans. He's still a working actor. Got 97 acting credits on his CV, even having recently played a role in A Dog's Way Home, which is a movie both Mike and I refuse to see. We do refuse to see that. <laughs> Gina Davis is the lone member of this group who's already won an Oscar as a supporting actress for her role in 1988's The Accidental Taurus, was nominated again a few years later in the leading category for her role in Thelma and Louise, which was a category we gave the retrospective treatment to last year. We loved her. Yeah. And she's great in the League of Their Own. And that's a great category yeah. overall. That was a huge yeah. feministic movement category that really kind of gets forgotten in time, which is a little sad to Cut see. Cutthroat Island ruined her career. Poor Gina Davis. Ruined that studio, too, that produced it. <laughs> USA Today also reports that Davis will be receiving the Jean Herschel Humanitarian Award for her work with the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media. Fighting for equality seems like a perfect time to reward someone Excellent. like that. And then there's Lynch. My boy, beautiful, beautiful David Lynch. Four-time nominated writer-director who failed to win director category three times for The Elephant Man, Blue Velvet, and Mulholland Drive, and failed to win original screenplay once again for Elephant Man. I'm glad he's getting his overdue award, but I resent the implication that time has passed him by and his Oscar-contending days are behind him, all right? He's not retired. He said as much. He faked retiring. He came out of retirement. He's not retired. He's coming for that Oscar's ass one He's more still time. Coming. He's got one more in him. I believe in him. All right? So if you could sit there and you could think this is a lifetime achievement award and good job, fade off into the sunset, me, Lynch, and his beautiful, beautiful, beautiful hair will see you in a couple years at the Oscars. As long as that hair is still whooshing <laughs> over the top. David Lynch has got a chance. Mike, Indiana Jones 5 
starts filming this week because absolutely nobody asked for it. What are your thoughts? Do we care about it? They got to redeem that refrigerator of the crystal skull <laughs> movie because that was terrible. But no, I mean, Harrison Ford said some interesting things. He says the role is going to die with him, which makes you wonder, are they going to kill Indiana Jones in this film? Are they going to try and do the setup of the future series? Do you even want, like, as a fan, do you want to see them try and pass the torch? To a younger Indiana Jones? Chris Pratt would have been interesting, even though he kind of does yeah. that thing with the Guardians and with Jurassic World, yeah. in a way. I would be kind of into that, but I don't know. I don't really want to see him in the same movie. You can just reboot it later on. You know, you don't have to have you know Shia LaBeouf in the same movie with Indiana Jones sharing the screen time. Let's just make a great movie with Indiana Jones. Like, I don't need Rambo Last Blood, but... The blood of Rambo is also involved with a younger character. Yo, that trailer. Yeah, we're getting <laughs> ready for bonkers. it. <laughs> we're getting ready for it. I love I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. So, no, I, uh, just give me a good Indiana Jones movie with a geriatric Indiana Jones still doing stuff. Do you want the characters to die with Harrison Ford? You just said you think they could reboot it later on. So. Like, later on, if you got a gr- the next Harrison Ford, no offense, like, but you. I don't want a remake, obviously, and I don't want any character trying to be Harrison Ford. Like Harrison Ford's kid, unless it's really his child who can do everything that her or his father can yeah. do. No, don't give me that. Give me, you know, somebody new. All right. I, I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like some roles are so iconic they should just be left alone. All right. That's good. Yeah. good opinion. That's Laura good. Croft isn't one of those roles, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Jennifer Lawrence, this is a story from a while back, cast in Adam McKay's Theranos... Biopic. I actually just rewatched this last night. I didn't finish the uh, the documentary that HBO did on it, the Theranos doc there. But uh, yeah, we're late to the party on this, so I don't know how this slipped by and went through the five hole on the goalie here. But Refinery Twenty Nine said this came out in February alongside the, that documentary that came out on HBO that J Law is going to be playing Elizabeth Holmes in the Theranos doc. To be fair, we were busy in February. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very. Excited! I'm giddy for this. I'm a stand for McKay. I know you had your issues with Vice, but I, 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 you know, we both agree he's a very unique and wonderfully Definitely. unique filmmaker. So I'm beyond excited to watch him take on a story fraught with deceit and betrayal, such as the one Elizabeth Holmes seems to be. And don't sleep on Jennifer Lawrence's Academy chances for this either, because it's been a little bit since she's had her name in the actress race. Mother was wrongfully cast aside by critics and the masses. She took a year off from acting afterwards, so this could be her big comeback picture. And uh, she is an Academy darling. She might have gotten some sleeper love for Mother and how great that performance was as well. It was our number one of the year, if I remember right. It was, right? High. It was high for you. I don't know if it was my number no? one, but All it was right. your number one. Yeah, it was my number one for sure. The Mike, Mike, and Oscars. Yeah. It was a fun episode that year. It's a great fucking performance. That Go back and rewatch Mother, you cowards. <laughs> <laughs> Barry Jenkins is going to direct an Alvin Ailey biopic for Fox Searchlight. Ailey was known as one of the best dance choreographers of the late 50s and onward. Do we care about this? If any director is ready for a dance choreographer film for a Bob Fosse-like biopic, <laughs> it's Barry Jenkins, man. I mean, that guy can move the camera. The shots are all beautiful. He knows what he's doing. And I'm really excited about this because it makes him kind of, 
you know, do more of an action performance led thing. Like it's not just going to be a straight up drama. It's going to flex his muscles to do something different. And you would think it's not going to be those set shots like uh, Beale Street was, where you're just going panning between close-ups back and forth, cutting well, yeah, between close-ups. He's going to have a lot to do here. And Ailey was a trailblazer, establishing an African American dance company in New York City in 1958, I believe. So you you have the civil rights background, something he's very passionate yeah. about in all of his movies. So Barry Jenkins can really just hit one out of the park because it's right in his wheelhouse. It's right in his hot zone. I watched a lot of baseball this weekend as well. <laughs> Take it and send it into the, into the people. It's nice, too, that of the news of, of, of movies coming out and stories coming out that we've previewed, we do care about quite a number of them. So it means the movie industry overall is in a good place. It would just be nice if mid-budget movies uh, got some love from places other than Netflix. So, Mike, Kit Harrington, star of Game of Thrones, is Jon Snow. He checked himself into a treatment facility for personal issues, uh, and he did say that, you know, one of them was alcohol. It's a wellness center. So, uh, of course, we care about this. Yeah. What do you think? He's in Connecticut. That center is, is apparently in Connecticut, some somewhere on the beach, and it's a hot. It would be a little untoward to stalk him there. I mean, or stalk us. I didn't mean <laughs> to say strong stalk. word. Follow him closely. Uh, it's a hundred from a distance. Hundred and forty thousand dollar a month rehab facility, apparently with where, telescopes, where everybody gets their own personal chef. So yes, I wish him the best. Obviously, and yeah. anytime any kind of ailment that you take control of and you want to seize. Uh, take back your life and, and you have to get yourself better for it. you take it upon yourself to do that you should be commended i said this in a tweet when it first came out i say it now i truly believe that it's a good for him good for kid harrington i hope it all works out for him and i hope it uh gets him restarted and refreshed yeah i mean if anybody deserves a break in general it's the game of thrones cast after God what bless they, you. Yeah. after that documentary and everything but this is a sad way to take a break still i think this guy's got all the promise in the world for his sure. career. He's not just a television star. Seven Days in Hell. He was so funny as so a tennis good. player yeah. in that HBO mockumentary with the Lonely Island guys. Hosted SNL. He was funny on that, too. Funny on SNL. He can do the action hero thing. Because even in the action movies like Pompeii that are bad, essentially, I watched that. He's good in it. I did not watch Pompeii. I did watch Pompeii. <laughs> I watch it so much. But, yes, we wish him all the best in his recovery. And come back to us. Kit. Ready for some trailer thoughts? Let's move in. Trailer thoughts! So, Mike, we have director James Mangold, who's done a lot of good stuff, directing Christian Bale, Catriona Balfi, Matt Damon, Tracy Letts and company, and Ford versus Ferrari. This looks fun. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not a car guy. Me neither. But I am a movie guy. (laughs) And this looks like a movie. Car movie guy, though, a little bit. Are yeah. you? Yeah. I like a car movie. movie. Uh, yeah, this looks fascinating. Little, little concerned with Matt Damon trying to pull off that accent. Yeah, he did the South African accent, and it wasn't great a couple years ago. He's got Not off. sure Matt Damon's a guy for accents. Yeah, I think that's where I land, but I, I'm willing to be surprised and impressed. Why can't he just have a Boston accent? I don't, yeah, just speak. I, yes. John Berthall. Getting a lot of run in this. He's going to go toe-to-toe, it looks like, with Bale and Damon in some scenes, which is a big ask of him. And it's nice to see him uh, get that chance and step up his game here. But, yeah, this this looks fun. Like you said, it looks like a bona fide contender. Mangold's first work since he did the Oscar-nominated Logan movie, which he was able to get a nomination for out of that comic book property. So, got all the faith in the world. And, hey, man, if all else fails, 
Just play Gimme Shelter in your trailer and you'll be all right, right? Big week for the Rolling Stones. <laughs> it was a big week for trailers, Mike. It was a big week for the Stones. I'm a big James Mangold fan. Uh, he directs terrific movies. He's one of the last like mid-budget auteurs that are still out there making you know the 50 to $80 million budget. That used to be a big budget, right. but now that's kind of mid-budget, I would say. Uh, I love everything about this trailer from Oscar Real Christian Bale stuff. You know, you got John Bernthal, like you said. Tracy Letts is going off in this yeah. trailer, which I love. But what I love the most, Mike, is that they're all on the same team. I Yeah, that's a really interesting point, because when this was first casted, I thought this was, oh, it's going to be Le Mans 66. One's going to be Ferrari, one's going to be Ford, obviously, by the name suggests. Yeah. And it's going to be Damon versus Bale. No, they're all on the same yeah. team. It's a Go America premise. We're going Ford versus yeah. the Italians with that Formula One circuit or whatever it is. They're letting they're making Damon use that accent and letting Bale use his Australian accent. Yeah. Strange. Just thought I'd bring that up. But Bale is going from Dick Cheney, and which was just a yeah. rip of a performance sure. going against the former vice president there, to something that is very go America, and that's an interesting career choice for Mr. Bale. It's also reminiscent of his role in uh, The Big Short. Kind of like an outsider who plays by his own rules and has some attitude problems. He's good at that. Yeah. <laughs> at different levels of uh, body mass. Yeah. He's very good at that. I agree. The Goldfinch also came out this week, Mike. Our first full look at that trailer. What do we think? One hell of a trailer looks very, very Oscar-y. Like, I really like the production values. I like the way they work the music in. I like the performances. I have not read the novel, but it's been on my Audible wish list forever. Now I'm just not going to read the novel. I, I just can't do it. But who's Jeffrey Wright? in this trailer i don't know is he the bomber i don't know at all and i'm very intrigued by that you know ansel ansel elgort however you ansel ansel mike he's could have a breakthrough performance could in be, this yeah. one uh and is that luke wilson <laughs> is that luke wilson having an oscar reel scene right in the middle of this trailer is can that, we get some supporting actor buzz is is that what you thought <laughs> I liked it. I like, yeah. He was the, there was a facial expression, and then by the way, you got Nicole Kidman in here. Man, Luke Wilson took me by surprise because the last time I saw him was in that close talker commercial for like toothpaste or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't expect to see him in this. We talked about this one, this movie having moved its release date from that Oscar territory of late October to the more traditional, once thought to be an Oscar contender that studios thought better of early mid September release. I see. So, you know, does it seem like an Oscar picture off its trailer? Sure. Vivid imagery, great soundtrack, like you said. So, yeah, I could see this. You have the talent attached. Luke Wilson's here. <laughs> so, sure, you could see it as an Oscar contender. I, I, I don't know. The, the, the release date, if nothing else, kind of concerns me. I, well, I've taken that argument to you for a, a lot of yeah. recent trailers that we've been reviewing. So... I, I just can't say anything now. Damn it. Damn it. I cornered myself because I thought this looked very Oscar-y. I'm in. Uh, Mike, onward from Pixar. This kind of fits with our programming. Yeah, I appreciate Pixar giving us a shout-out in this and uh, going right in step with the Ars finishing up their rewatch series. So that was nice of them. Um, yeah, this this trailer was adorable and cute and perfect like every fucking Pixar trailer ever is. So unicorns or raccoons? They're just <laughs> That's pests. great. That was great. That's hilarious. Chris Pratt's voice, perfect. Tom Holland should be good, too. Uh, I really like 
I mean, I'm a sucker for this. I like mythical creatures living in their own world, but the human world, essentially. But uh, yeah. a spin on it with all the mushroom houses. <laughs> yeah, it's you just take a convention and you put it on its head. It's a day in the life, except it's a day in the life of these mythical, fantastical beasts. Without magic in their except lives. Except they're anymore. doing everyday, normal human things. Yeah, it's, it's great. Dragons are dogs, yard gnomes are landscapers. That lawn gnome scene in the trailer <laughs> got me so good. It's like, funny. what is that gnome doing standing there? <laughs> Are we to believe that lawn gnomes exist in this world? Or was he just like pining for yesteryear about how he was treated in the human world? He's or- not treated well by his <laughs> older lawn gnome boss there either. Where do you go, lawn gnome? What, where do you go when you stand there looking off into the distance? Uh, this, looks, this looks adorable. I can't wait. Uh, Pixar rewatch series. We're kind of in the middle of that. We're actually wrapping it up. And we're going to have another uh, episode soon. It's going to be on what? Coco. Yeah, Coco. that's what I just said before. Going to be Coco up for the, you guys this week. And I think one other one too. We'll stay tuned for that. The Kitchen also came out, Mike. Our first look at this one. Melissa McCarthy, Tiffany Haddish, and Elizabeth Moss. What do we think? This looked great. I am thrilled with this trailer because I was worried about it. Again, release date related because it's coming out in late August. So I wasn't sure if it was going to get legs. But bottom line, Mike... Looks like a kick-ass movie, and I, it looks like a kick-ass gangster movie. There's real build to this trailer. Like, the stakes are there. The 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 music, you know, again, Rolling Stones, Paint It Black. Can't be wrong. <laughs> that's building by on its own right to a lot of great action, crazy action. I've, I'm worried for these characters because you got thugs galore getting in their face. Good antagonists, really smart casting all around. When we talked about the casting and the the pre-production for this movie, I was bringing up the fact that I this sounds like it should be an Oscar movie, but because it's Haddish and it's McCarthy and it's so comedy, it, it seems like it'd be comedy forward. Maybe it'd be. it'd be kind of like a comedy thing, but no, I mean, Not I'm very show. happy to see that this is being treated as if it's like an Oscar contender. I felt that's the way it should have gone and that's the way they seem to be going with it, so that pleases me. The release date, like we just, I mean, you talked about it for the Goldfinch, how can you not talk about it for this? It's an August release, a mid early mid-August release. Usually, those dates are reserved for like the horror movies. Signs, I know, came out. There's a other horror movies that came out in that time frame uh or the coming of age comedy super bad came out in like an august 17th release mm-hmm. back in its day uh but this movie is andrea burloff's baby and the hollywood reporter said that she kind of blew away new line in her vision uh, vision for the film so much so that she went from being just a screenwriter to being a writer-director on this. That's awesome. So hopefully this all means that it's in the hands of people that that are going to take care of it and know the best vision forward for it. And I would love nothing more than what seems to be a a female-dominated film to make its way into the Oscars conversation. You convinced one hell of a cast, and I just thought they were all going wild in this trailer. I mean, Elizabeth Moss has got to break out at the Academy level at some point as well. But uh, Tiffany Haddish, let's get a dramatic yeah. role from her. She was on the cusp of the comedy a couple years ago, right? In Girls yeah. Trip, so. Yeah, with that one. Right. So she's already, you know, she can Say the same thing about McCarthy with, uh, with Bridesmaids. Dom Hall Gleason, Common, James Badge Dale, Margot Martindale. Yeah. Bill, and Bill Camp is great in this trailer, but Brian Darcy James, just so many names and so many faces that you'll recognize, so let's go. I'm all in. I feel better, I don't know why, but I feel better about Oscar chances for this. Well, maybe it's because of Andrea Burloff, because she's already got the nomination for Straight Outta Compton, but I feel better about the Oscar chances for this one than I did watching the Goldfinch trailer. Interesting. Abominable Mike, this is an animated feature from DreamWorks about an abominable snowman. Now, wait a minute. Yeah. So, Abominable Snowmen 
can just exist in any climate now, DreamWorks. That's what we're going for. Well, I don't care that you're a cartoon. Have some respect. They exist. They could go wherever. They're they just going to hang out? They'll be sweaty. They'll smell like <laughs> Bigfoot's dick. But they'll be Who everywhere. you going to tell me? A polar bear can survive on an island now? <laughs> with a Coke, yeah. he can. <laughs> <laughs> I stepped on your joke with yeah, the worst one. <laughs> Mike, animated features looking stacked this year, though. Because say what you want about the plot. Yeah. There's dumplings. There's <laughs> there one. Are dumplings. There's a lot of dumplings. Yeah. They look delicious. They look great. There's one beautiful sequence after another here. Yeah. I mean, the animation was staggering. I'm in just on the animation. Seemed very Coco esque. Maybe it's just because of the recency bias of having just watched Coco for a okay. rewatch coming up. But you know, music playing a heavy role in the plot, along with it being a, a handed down from generation to generation. There's the, the female protagonist in this one talks about how her father was a musician and yeah. something like that. So that's very. It seems like it's derived from Pixar. And Jill Colton, who's the writer director, is a former Pixar animator as well that went over to DreamWorks. So it makes a lot of sense there. I can't believe I'm going to quote the uh, Good Dinosaur right now, but that sequence. Where they lift their heads above the clouds, where they're going up the mountain there. Yeah, you get a, you get That's some of that in this trailer yeah. as well. I wonder if there are good dinosaur people over there working on this one because that's a gorgeous looking shot. I'm just very impressed with the way this movie looked. Yeah, uh, cosine there. Let's talk about the most bizarre trailer we had this <laughs> week in fabric, Michael. So it's a movie about a killer dress. Critics are gushing over the fact that it's so Dario Argento. And good God, was this a bonkers trailer. I, I love the casting, too. I mean, you got Gwendolyn Christie's going to be in this. We got Sidse Babette Knudsen, Marianne Jean-Baptiste. Mm. These are faces I recognize from right. a lot of BBC. And I love watching Luther. I love watching a lot of those shows on the BBC. And they are just so good. Marianne Jean-Baptiste, she's ready for this. Let's go, man. This looks wild. This is about killer dress i don't care a killer dress it looks great you cannot the... <laughs> ruin or or discard or tear I, I saw a lot of polanski in this too yeah uh with the like the the one-off the one shots of the close-up of the disturbing face and kind of like a rosemary's baby type stuff there and that's this uh, epic scene in that one but the blood is argento or very yeah, very I mean, the striking red blood. yeah very argento you could see that this director peter strickland i went down a rabbit hole after watching this trailer I watched a couple trailers of his other stuff, other things that he's directed. He has one Barbarian Sound Studio. This just tells you how, how nuts this guy is in taking these films. That one is about a guy who does audio for horror movies, huh. but they end up haunting him, basically, it looks nice. like. So this is not a normal man. <laughs> this is a guy that takes batshit concepts and turns them into what look like legitimately scary horror movies. He takes inanimate objects and he makes them personal. <laughs> Terrifying. The opposite of Pixar, but <laughs> right. Pixar. Right. He's, he's on the level He's Pixar. a step away from Pixar. Yeah, same saying. thing. Now this one, look, we had a lot of trailers this week. We had a lot of good trailers. This one is the one that probably took us both by surprise. So much most. fun. It's got seven wins at film festivals. It's got an 84 Metascore mic uh, nominated at the London Film Festival in their official competition. I I'm really excited about this movie. I haven't been this excited about a horror movie since maybe Mandy. I can't imagine this gets Academy legs. No, but, but let's it just looks have fun. Awesome yeah. horror right. movie. Right, I agree. Let's go. And speaking of other awesome horror movies, Annabelle Comes Home had their second trailer release. We're a full Conjuring universe here. Mike, I was ready to hate on this. Yeah? I was ready. All right, the first trailer came out. It was fine. Mm -hmm. 
you know, we got the Warrens doing funny things. So we get that again. We get some funny banter with the Warrens. I like how that's their, you know, game now. We got the Warrens making funny banter they're with getting the cops. Used, they're getting used to just being ridiculous uh, occult members. <laughs> that's so smart. Yeah. That's so smart. But, Mike, this trailer made phone calls scary again. Yeah. And I thought you would have dug that. Yeah, I was all... It's a little hokey. Yeah. The way it was performed, I thought, in the trailer. Hopefully we get a little more teeth to it when it's actually seen in movie. But I had no problem with this trailer. And I'm like you. I, I'm expecting... I'm guarded okay. against non-conjuring properties. Okay. Because we saw The Nun, kind of a letdown. Yeah. We saw the last Annabelle movie. Yeah, you didn't like Creation as much no, as everybody else. No, I didn't. Not At least not to me. It wasn't great. So I'm guarded against non-canon conjuring movies. Yep. I think they as a studio know they need to kind of bounce back from The Nun. And I've said this before. So they're putting conjuring forward here with the Warren characters. And they're getting back to like those old classic horror movie screams and scares which is great if you can put a decent story behind it Let's look go. horror doesn't always have to be a killer dress right it doesn't have to be a sexually transmitted disease in a naked old person like we talk about with the junk about movies it could just be a doll sitting you can in the have, back yeah, seat of a car you could have a classic horror movie but you also can have a dark room and a, a young teenage babysitter right. walking around you could it. have the stereotypical horror things as long as you have a decent story attached to them which Annabelle is fully capable of doing so and this one looked intriguing enough I'm, I'm absolutely in just like you are I love how the daughter of Vera Farmiga of the, the Warren daughter is like just starting all kinds of shit yeah. let's take the babysitter <laughs> into the room of horrors and a little tour of the museum. And, you know, maybe, you know, it is touching on some of those old school horrors. The phone call, the babysitter, the daughter left home alone. It's a lot here to play with. The doll up to hijinks. Right. Let's go. All right. Now, speaking of ridiculous trailers and trailers that speak to us, let's talk about Rambo Last Blood to wrap up here. Hey, yo. It's the cowboy Sylvester Stallone, and this is the, the might have been the best trailer of the week. <laughs> Phenomenal. Rambo was started as a political statement, right? Okay. The anti-Vietnam movement, yeah. uh, PTSD, soldiers coming back with all kinds of mental issues. It was started as say what you want about the violence, but it was started as a statement. It was a statement piece. Okay. Rambo. In this trailer is crossed with Lil Nas X and Billy Ray Cyrus's Old Town Road. It has it Sylvester Stallone, not Rambo. Stallone, the man, has reached peak parody. He is a parody unto himself at this point. It started with the Expendables, yep. where he took story and threw it out the window and said, "What if we just get a bunch of ass kickers kicking ass?" He gets it, and now he's just. He's just reaching for memes at this point, I feel like. <laughs> He's getting them, though, man. He's surrounded by a just a group of people. He's going to fight his way out. I don't He's mean... setting booby traps, Mike. He's got a knife fight at the end. Come on. I don't want to sound like I'm taking a shit on it because, yes, I immediately went to go see if that version of Old Town Road was available for you download. You like the song, too. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. <laughs> but it's not, for those of you wondering, at least not that I could find. But this is so anti what Rambo was meant for, which I get we're far removed from that anyway, and we're not even, you know, that's it's not Rambo what Rambo 7 is anymore. Yeah. Right, I get that. So Rambo 3 was far from what Rambo was meant for. Yes, Two, exactly. probably. Right. Well, yeah. So I understand that's a weak argument on my part. I love the last blood trailer. Come on, a tagline. What is he again? Is this the cartel? Who is he fighting here? 
I don't even know. The Billboard know. Top 100? <laughs> we don't even know who he's fighting. We just know he's got to get revenge. Adrian Grunberg is the, the director of this. He did Mel Gibson's 18th comeback effort, Get the Gringo. Uh, uh, I'm a little worried about that. 7.0 on IMDb. All right. I, I didn't see that movie. I didn't either. Uh, it's... But this. <laughs> it's just nuts. This looks wild. Wait, we're 2019. We're talking about Rambo. <laughs> I can't believe it. But I'm in. Uh, I hope Billy Ray Cyrus has a cameo. <laughs> All right. That is the, the week in Hollywood for you to set the table for you to go forward with a special Tuesday edition of MMO Weekly. Like always, we want to know your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns about any of the trailers we reviewed, any of the stories about Do You Care, any of what we're watching, anything we talked about in this, or any other MMO property that we do in the MMO Empire here. You can reach out to us, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram. MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com. And on Reddit, we're available everywhere. You hear podcasts tune in stitcher soundcloud itunes spotify google play etc if you like what you hear here if you appreciate the effort we would appreciate you taking a few seconds out of your day if you hit those five stars on itunes leave us a little review uh we will try to give you a shout out if we read them but those really truly do go a far away and we appreciate each and every one of you that have taken your time to do that michael tell these people what's coming up next and give them some words of wisdom to go into the rest of their week with uh great job with all the audience interaction you're really stretching your creative yes. muscles and you've been inspiring us truly with all these twitter questions sincerely all the six degrees of MMO because I think that's been something we've been talking about in a lot of our production meetings. We want to go on and be guests on other podcasts. We wanted we do we did a live stream. We had two rewatches, which was just been very ambitious to our programming schedule yeah. and our movie watching lives. We're dumb. Falling behind <laughs> with some other movies and well, we, but we've been reviewing Oscar movies. Yes. We just finished a variety show. It's seconds from now, and Mike, you know, we're, we got a lot of creative things that we're trying to push ourselves with, so we'll see if we can do it, but I think we're going for versatility, and we're really pushing ourselves. I'm proud of you, I'm proud of me, I'm proud of our audience, we're trying to... Very proud of our audience, our audience, we have the best listeners and the most creative listeners in the world. We thank each and every one of you for participating and partaking and having some fun with us. We hope we give you reasons to keep on listening, and guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us. We're trying to take the stuffiness out of award season and make that thing a year round process for you to enjoy we will see you all very soon I can't believe I just quoted the good dinosaur again that's twice <laughs> in this one episode why did that review mean something to me <laughs>